are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at helpforhd.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hi, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This show is made possible due to an educational grant from Teva Pharmaceuticals and the Griffin Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and today we have a two-part series uh, going on with Triplet Therapeutics. Um, this week will be part one with Dr. Nesson Birmingham, and then um, next week is going to be part two with Dr. Irina Antonijevic. I'm totally butchered that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring... Dr. Birmingham on really quick. Dr. Birmingham is the founder and CEO of Triplet Therapeutics Incorporated. He's a serial biotech entrepreneur and an investor who has founded several companies, including Triplet, CoroBio, and Intelia Therapeutics, one of the top biotech startups in 2014, and a fierce 15 biotech company. Taking the company from the concept to IPO and large partnering deals uh, with approximately 200 employees. He has nearly two decades of experience in life sciences, startups, and investments, including small molecules, biologics, medical devices, and diagnostics through venture, public, and secondary markets. As a venture partner at Atlas Venture and managing partner at Omega Funds, he successfully invested in and managed multiple investments across the United States and Europe. Currently, he is also a venture partner at Atlas Venture and is chair of the board of directors of FSTAR and Acrevia Therapeutics. He served as Intellius president and CEO from inception until December of 2017. Previously, he was an independent advisor board member of the California Institute of Regenerative Medicine. And Merck Serono, um, he received his Ph.D. in molecular biology from Imperial College London and was a Howard Hughes associate fellow at Baylor College of Medicine. He's an avid mountain biker, snowboarder, and a trail runner. Dr. Birmingham, thanks to, so much for being on the call today. Thank you very much. Please, Nathan, it's great. So we're going to jump right in here. I know we've got a two-part series um, going on with this, so we're going to do part one today, and then part two will be airing next week. Um, let's start off with, can you tell us a little bit about Triplet Therapeutics and, and what the company aims to do? Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity today to introduce your listeners to Triplet Therapeutics. Triplet Therapeutics is a biotechnology company uh, located in Cambridge, Mass., uh, focused on a novel unifying pathway that seems to sit at the forefront of a multitude of uh, repeat expansion disorders, most notably Huntington's disease. The company was founded to actually leverage data that had been generated through analysis of human patient data that actually guided us to a novel pathway that seems to drive at the forefront of uh, these diseases. As we think about conventional wisdom 
for diseases such as Huntington's disease, scientifically we've believed that the primary driver of Huntington's disease and other repeat expansion disorders, of which there's about 50, really is driven by a toxic RNA and a toxic protein that is driven through the gene itself. But in an analysis of large patient data sets, what's become clear is, while we thought that expansion is static or constrained over the life of an individual, what it looks like is actually happening is that expansion is getting longer and longer and longer at the DNA level. And by going in and stopping that expansion at the DNA level over the life of the individual, uh, we believe that we can delay or prevent the onset and progression uh, of these types of diseases. And as you just mentioned, your approach to Huntington's is very different from what other companies are working on and working on H, uh, for HD. Can you explain the biggest difference in your approach versus others? Absolutely. The, the, the primary difference is current approaches uh, in the area of Huntington's disease is focused on targeting that RNA, if you recall. DNA is transcribed into RNA, and then that RNA is read and translated into the protein Huntington. Current approaches really are focused on the actual RNA that is read through the DNA with the intent of preventing that RNA from actually being encoded into the Huntington protein. What we're doing is we're actually targeting the underlying genetic basis of the disease at the DNA level. So while targeting the RNA is a, is a very appropriate approach for certain aspects of the disease, what's actually happening also is a continued expansion of the repeat at the DNA level. And to truly be able to address the disease, one needs to actually address that underlying primary driver of disease at the DNA level. So these current approaches really are acting effectively after the fact. You still have that DNA expansion that's taking place uh, even when you're targeting the RNA and coping with existing uh, approaches that are currently in the clinic today. We're going specifically at the DNA the apical region of the driver of this, and thereby by halting that DNA expansion from taking place, we thereby are addressing the primary driver of onset and progression within the disease. Okay, that is very uh, somebody who's as somebody who has tested positive. That's very very exciting um, to hear, and so I'm very excited to to hear more about it. Um, recently published human genetic studies have changed the way research community thinks about research expansion disorders, including HD, but also other diseases such as myotonic dystrophy and spinocerebellar ataxias. Some of these findings inspired Triplett's approach. What have the, uh, what have the most important things in thinking been? Right. So, you know, I've been a scientist uh, for over 25 years uh, looking at genetics uh, and the, how we use human genetic data and patient data to inform us as we think about uh, novel uh, therapies uh, for therapeutic intervention. One of the last drugs developed in Huntington's disease actually was tetravenazine, which is another drug I was actually involved in developing uh, through classic pharmaceuticals. So I've been looking at the Huntington's disease space and been interested in it for quite some time. What's actually happened over the past you know, maybe 10 years or so, has been a lot of research that's gone on whereby we've looked at patient genetic data and, and, and effectively looked at 
patients where you have early onset of disease versus late onset of disease, where those individuals were born with exactly the same number of repeats. And what we've known for quite some time is that, for example, if a patient is born with 40 repeats, CAG repeats, there are some patients that may present the disease at the age of 25, 30 years old. However, there are other patients or individuals that will present the disease at 60, 65 years of age, even though they were born with exactly the same number of repeats. So a number of um, individuals or academics ask a very simple question. Are there regions of the genome or signals that we can identify that explain why it is that you see a 40-year differential in age of onset of disease or clinical manifestation of the disease? And after a lot of work that's been done, they actually identified multiple regions of the genome that seem to be involved in this, in driving this differential in age of onset. And when they then narrow that down and look specifically at what genes are located in those regions of DNA, they actually found that those genes generally encode proteins that are involved in the same pathway. And that pathway is called the DNA damage response pathway, the DDR, right? And that DNA damage response pathway is effectively the pathway that drives the expansion of the repeats over the life of the individual at the DNA level. There's been some additional beautiful work that's been done to further refine that or understanding of it, um, where we've been able to identify very specific genes in the DNA damage response pathway that have a significant impact on overall disease onset and progression, both in Huntington's disease and myotonic dystrophy. So our approach really is founded in patient data and utilizing that data to understand the mechanism by which uh, Huntington's disease and other triplet repeat disorders actually drive the onset and progression of disease over time. Hmm. <clears throat> and what do all of these new research findings mean for patients? Well, it means a number of different things. So firstly, it provides us additional insight into understanding the actual primary mechanistic driver of disease. And while we've thought that diseases such as Huntington's disease, myotonic dystrophy, ataxia, fragile X, again, there's over 50 of these types of disorders, that what it's identified is that there actually may be one primary unifying pathway to these indications. And by having that, it means that we don't need to treat each one from a therapeutic or potentially not treat each one from a therapeutic standpoint as having to devise or develop a unique therapy to actually treat that indication. And that's very important as you think about being able to actually clinically develop a, a product uh, and address a patient's medical need. So as we think about this new mechanism that we're now starting to uncover, and, and again, there's a lot of data now that's come through from academic uh, centers and from groups such as CHDI and others that have actually helped us identify this mechanism. And now we're actually able to go in using um, approaches such as antisense oligonucleotides and siRNA to very specifically go in and target genes or, or that pathway to prevent or halt that progression or expansion of the repeat at the DNA level. We've done a lot of work within triplet. What we've gone in now have been evaluating a multitude of different antisense oligonucleotides and siRNAs to allow us to be able to effectively switch off the genes 
for members of this pathway. By doing so, in animal models and across a number of different animal models, we've actually been able to show that we can stop that expansion from taking place. So mechanistically, this has given us a whole new avenue to explore and develop therapeutics to be able to uh, address or at least start to uh, explore the potential for the treatment of uh, patients with this disease. These are not, you know, this approach is not, however, unique to going after HTT or targeting HTT with some of the other approaches that are in clinical development today. There is likely going to be cases where both approaches are relevant and appropriate as we think about addressing a disease depending on the stage of the patient. So it's, it's basically another tool in our arsenal that we're going to have available to us um, depending, you know, on, on the needs of the individual. Absolutely. And I would say it also opens up the avenue of potentially being able to treat patients earlier also. Um, so if we think about targeting Huntington today, certainly there's a lot of discussion about the role that Huntington plays in our cell and in our neurons, right? And there are elements that we certainly know. Huntington's important as you think about you know, brain-derived neurotrophic factor, which is sort of a survival signal uh, that's present in neurons. We also know it's important as we think about overall brain maturation. And when you think about a, an, an individual, their brain matures in or around when they're 26 years of age. So ideally, as we look at current clinical trials and as we look at intervention points with the current approaches, we really are uh, going into to treat patients after the age of 26. This approach, because it's not targeting HTT, so the Huntington protein is still present in the cell, it's still functioning in the cell. This opens up the opportunity for us to actually potentially treat patients at a much earlier stage while their brain is still maturing, but without actually impacting that maturation process and that, as I mentioned, continues to take place up to the uh, 26 years of age. So it also expands then the, the, patient pop, the patients or the individuals that effectively we can treat uh, potentially preemptively um, as we think about addressing Huntington's disease and other triplet repeat disorders. Now, how much progress has tri triplet made so far with, with that portion of it? Um, I mean, we're still in the very early stages, correct? Yes, well, so, you know, we've been working very uh, actively uh, both within triplet and also with uh, some of our collaborators uh, to not only explore the pathway, but to actually identify uh, prospective drugs uh, to target this pathway. And we've been, with the team that we've been fortunate to assemble, we've actually moved very rapidly. Um, we've actually gone from testing drugs in single cells, human tissue culture, into going into animal models of Huntington's disease, in addition to larger, uh, uh, larger species such as non-human primates, so as we think about where we are today, we've certainly been fortunate to be able to move very rapidly, and ideally we hope that we will be able to move into the clinic in the, in the foreseeable future uh, as we think about being able to uh, develop this drug uh, for, for treatment of Huntington's disease. Our first indication is Huntington's disease, and that's the one uh, indication we spent most of our time focusing on as we think about not only the pathway, but also as we think about the, 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 ther the therapeutic modality and administration to patients um, as you think about more chronic dosing for these types of therapies. 
This is extremely exciting, um, you know, and something that I'm I'm very much looking forward to, especially you know, talking about when the brain is maturing and, and being able to get into people who are younger. I myself tested when I was 20, tested positive, and, um, you know, I've, I'm 34 now, so hearing that something would be available to um, those of us who are pre-manifest, um, you know, and, and test early before before symptoms, um, that's just an, an amazing thought and such a huge goal um, to to reach, and I just think it's amazing that you guys are working on that. Um, the other thing that you guys have right now that I'm really excited about and that I'd like for you to talk about is this natural history study called Shield HD, um, and we'll hear more about this in the future episode. But can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. Just with respect to the comment about the excitement for the science side, you know, I, I, I was trained as a geneticist, and when we think about the Human Genome Project and what we hope that it would open up to us in our understanding about the mechanism of disease. This is probably one of the first examples that we have where our ability to actually look at the genome, analyze the genome, and equate that data to what we actually see from a disease onset and progression standpoint um, uh, within science. And that is really why I jumped in to actually start triplet therapeutics and become CEO. So I'm extremely excited uh, by the data that's been uh, published to date and the opportunity as we think mechanistically about understanding the disease. And certainly as we think about precedence, things like prion disease, uh, as you look at ulcers, we, we historically have had conventional wisdom around those diseases that as we actually really understood the biology and mechanism, turned out that our actually conventional wisdom was actually incorrect. I think this is another potential example of that. But specifically to your question about Shield HD, Clearly, there's a lot of work that's already been done um, with the patient support as we think about understanding uh, the progression of disease, the onset and the progression of disease. And, and there, are, there are multiple systems or multiple um, uh, data sets out there um, that groups like, for example, CHDI have actually developed or provided access to that really informs us as we think about going in to actually engage in uh, human clinical trials. And clearly, we've got to be very careful as we think about not only from a safety and tolerability standpoint of our drugs, but also as we think about the patient um, profile that we're actually going into treat. But because from a mechanistic standpoint, this is a new mechanism that historically had not been uh, evaluated within Huntington's disease and in other repeat expansion disorders, we engaged uh, in uh, running a natural history study called Shield HD to actually help us better understand the stage, the onset and progression, keeping in mind the actual mechanism that we're actually interested in targeting uh, from a therapeutic intervention standpoint. In addition, when we think about the patients that we would like to uh, initially enroll and treat with our approach, um, assuming, again, from a regulatory standpoint, we are allowed to move in uh, to clinical trials and the data supports that. Um, we really wanted to be able to go slightly earlier in um, a patient's onset or individual's onset and progression than some of the current clinical trials and uh, some of the historical studies that have been done uh, previously. So SHIELD-HD is structured to actually allow us to start generating that data 
that will actually inform us as we think about that progression into first in human clinical studies and later stage uh, clinical trials as we think about you know, progression, as we think about endpoints and readouts. One of the other exciting aspects of the, 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 the target that we are uh, engaging in, uh, in through this treatment approach uh, is that we're looking to see if we can actually detect that target um, in what's, what's called exosomes uh, from the CSF so that we can actually look at our, the, our drug's activity on that target and be able to, as best we can, titrate our dosing paradigm or our treatment paradigm on the basis of that readout uh, from the CSF. Um, so SHIELD-HD is really structured to actually help us uh, evaluate that longitudinally in the patients that we're enrolling. And the response has been really great so far. We've enrolled uh, 16 patients so far. Um, we just launched uh, SHIELD-HD, I think, about a month or a month and a half ago. And so, you know, it's, it, the receptivity to the natural study has been great. And that data really is not just going to inform uh, triplet as we think about um, and moving into human clinical trials and how to structure those clinical trials appropriately, but also uh, other groups um, that are looking to develop uh, drugs for Huntington's disease. That's absolutely amazing. Well, Dr. Birmingham, thank you so much for joining us on the show today um, and for sharing this information. And I'm looking forward to um, part two and, and hearing more about Shield HD. And thank you so much for all the work that you're doing for Huntington. Thank you very much for your time today and for uh, spotlighting the work that we're doing. Certainly appreciate it. Absolutely. And for our listeners, please make sure to tune in next week to hear part two with Dr. Irina Antonijevic. I'm terrible with names, I'm sorry, of triplet therapeutics. Please remember you can find us on any one of the following platforms. Spotify, iHeart, iTunes, and blogtalkradio.com. The link to the podcast uh, can also be found on Help for HD International uh, Twitter page and our Help for HD Live Facebook page. Everybody have a wonderful and blessed day. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.help4hd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications. 